those seven months in between first talking to me and attacking me, trying to get into the building, to into the Triple J. So he got inside the ABC seven or eight times before he made it up to Triple J. No one thought to tell me anything. Hi everyone, I'm Mel Gordon, Deputy Editor of Marie Claire, and welcome to the latest episode of Finding Fearless with Marie Claire. Jen Fricker has perfected the art of the slashy career. She's one of those people you would know from one of her many high-profile gigs. You may know her as a presenter on Triple J or as one of the regular guests on TV's Have You Been Paying Attention? Or maybe you know her from a stand-up comedy circuit. But unfortunately, there are also a whole heap of people who only know her as the girl who got stalked by a crazy fan who broke into ABC studios and assaulted her on air. Oh, and in the same year, she then got dumped and then thrown out of her home and left her job. So what's a girl to do? Well, Jen is doing what any good comedian does and has turned her year of hell into the basis for a stand-up comedy show that she's about to take on a national tour. Sounds like comedy gold. Over to you, Jen. Jen Fricker, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. Loving it, loving it. Um, so, look, let's go back to the beginning, mm-hmm. well, as far back as we want to go. Um, so, when you left school, you attended the Sydney Conservatorium of Music and mm-hmm. studying um, the classical double bass. Yeah, yes. yeah, orchestral double bass. Oh, yeah. my God. How on <laughs> earth? So, you must have come, like, you were in a bit of a musical family or you, yeah. it was just you, you uh, well, and your double bass at home? <laughs> uh, yeah, is, my brother also played double bass. My really? poor parents. So How? <laughs> How did this happen? Well, um... It's just they wanted me to go to music school. They wanted both of us to go to music school. So uh, they looked up endangered instruments and double bass <laughs> is one of them. So they were just like, okay, well, if we get them playing that, they'll be able to get scholarships and stuff. Oh, my God. They so thought it through. Yeah, they absolutely, it was absolutely tactical. But also my dad um, in the 80s played in a lot of like ska and um, punk bands as an um, electric bass player. So oh, right. we kind of already knew how to play that. So it wasn't that much of a – you just turn it upside down, yes. I guess, to the right um, and play it with a bow. But, um, yeah, so we – my dad always was into music. My mum's um, Māori and so like amazing voice and, yeah. you know, grew up along, around – a lot of music and going to lots of gigs when we were little and that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah it's always so been a music, massive part. Like, kind of really shaped your early existence. Absolutely, yeah. 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 Mm. And is there still like dream somewhere buried <laughs> deep within you of like you know of, of getting together a band and getting on the road? Oh, sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'd love to be in a riot girl band because I can always <laughs> think of good names for bands. Like, I'd really like to be in a riot girl band called Period Shits. <laughs> like, I feel like that would be. I, you wouldn't even have to be good, you know. You could just turn up and people know exactly what, what to expect. That's right. <laughs> um, I don't know. Oh, God, I, that's what the music would be like. Yeah, exactly. Damn, the, the name. The name. It's visceral, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. My parents uh, have only just stopped telling me to go back to music school, which I think is so funny because I, who would have thought that being a musician to them is more stable? <laughs> Than be a comedian. But, yeah. It's true. Although mm. you've got to say, you know, there's a bit difference between being, you know, in the fancy orchestra in your, yes. in your beautiful, you know, evening gown versus some grungy pub. Yeah, totally. Hosting, you know, some stand-up gig kind <laughs> Yelling of Yelling over people playing pool yeah. and three TVs with the UFC on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can get, I get. I get how your parents, <laughs> you know, had this, like, little dream for yeah. you kind of thing. So, so tell me, so, like, you were, were you at uni when you decided to, like, give comedy a go or that – how did that all come about? Yeah, so I was not funny growing up at all. 
And I was really dour, controlling <laughs> and quiet and weird. With your double bass. Yeah, totally. Um, and like you the must other... have had great guns, but. Oh, yeah, I was ripped. <laughs> uh, Michelle Obama had nothing on me. Um, uh, no, it was really interesting because like orchestras are like 72 people or something. So I never was the centre of attention ever, which yeah. I loved. It was such an, an anonymity to it. Um, and then I kind of just decided I couldn't be bothered playing bass anymore. It was huge. The rehearsals are long. Like I just I and so I moved to um, uni, like a uni course doing um, art history and psychology. Oh god! <laughs> which I guess is just as stable <laughs> as any <laughs> other of these professions I've been trying. Um, and I remember my friend Jordan, one of my first psychology lectures, this guy was heckling the lecturer and I turned around and I was like, who is this idiot? Like, shut up. And it was my friend Jordan from primary school who I hadn't seen in like really? 15 years. Yeah. And he was so funny. We started hanging out. He's like, oh, there's this uni campus comedy thing. You should like come hang out. And so I used to just be a door bitch for them. Right. Um, and every now and get, uh, then I'd get up and, you know, help him out, like move props or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just started becoming more comfortable around it um, and then eventually I did uh, a character by myself in the sketch show called Lady Gaga, the lady, uh, lady Ha-Ha, the Lady Gaga of comedy. So she was halfway between Jerry Seinfeld and Lady Gaga. So I was wearing... I just remember I started with the outfit and then built from there. <laughs> so it was like uh, blue jeans, white sneakers, and then a glittering cape that I'd sewn eyes onto. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And she just did observational material about, you know, being stuck in traffic on the way to work, but you're not in a car, you're in your invisible airplane that you've borrowed from Wonder Woman and, you know, you've run out of toilet paper. It's so awkward and relatable. <laughs> and also you have a gold toilet. So it was just, it was really dumb. But it didn't go terribly and from there I was like, oh, okay. So I you can... got your confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. from there I just started doing more and more bits like that. Um, I entered into the Royal Comedy Competition. At Melbourne Comedy Festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and got to national. Because like. Up and comers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an open mic competition, so yeah, it's right. national. Anyone can jump up and do it. Um, and I just joined. I just signed up for it because my friends were doing it. And again, Was Lady Haha making her debut appearance. No, no. no. <laughs> she only had one set, unfortunately. Um, I feel it might be time for her revival. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, it's time. <laughs> time to bring her back. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just signed up because my friends were doing it and then out of everyone I got through the national final and I was like, oh, that's crazy. And then from the first heat I started booking gigs. Wow. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not really doing anything at uni. Like art history is not going anywhere. <laughs> Psychology will always be there. So I was like, oh, well, I'll just defer and try this for a bit and then kept deferring uni and then I was like, I really like this. So I like travelling, I like making money and yeah, yeah, yeah. I like um, – just the low expectation, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Do you look back, you know, because now due to the glory of YouTube, mm -hmm. everything's saved for posterity. Mm. Like do you look back now and go, oh, my God, and like die a bit at um, previous gigs that you've done? Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. I can't believe that the first five minutes of stand-up I ever wrote are on YouTube forever. Oh. That's um, a I know it's brutal because Who like can you call yeah get it down I know get it down. and so like all the people that you looked up to growing up like for me I loved um all the weirdos like 
Kristen Schaal and Sarah Silverman and yep. um, I mean even Jerry Seinfeld and Gary Shandling and people like that, a lot of the American comics, you've never seen their like crappy five yes. minutes they've yeah. done where they bombed or something. But yeah. there's this whole generation now that it's every single it's thing. All is their shit. Yeah, really well recorded. <laughs> Great. In 4K, you know, like <laughs> every poor, every bombing joke all there for you. On demand. <laughs> I know. Talk about lucky. Yeah. How how would you describe your um like comedic style? I know that um um you were described in a review as gloriously unapologetically weird. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment? I don't know. <laughs> I think it used to be. Yeah. I feel like I've kind of radio didn't beat the weird out of me, but I think it's more. I think Lady Ha Ha is still there, <laughs> but she's wearing more of Jerry Seinfeld's clothes. If that makes sense, that sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awful. <laughs> it's no good. <laughs> how do you how do you actually get in the mood for a show? Like, because I mean, it'd be mm. like, well, it'd be like a work day. So, like, there's got bound to be some days where you go, oh, fuck, I just, you know, yeah, I just can't be bothered. I prefer to be home binge festing something on Netflix. So, what do you do? Well. I mean, a lot of my writing process is that because <laughs> now I just work from home. Um, so I have to be way more disciplined with myself. It's just a classic thing of I've got a notebook and I walk around with it. I used to have my headphones in and I'd just put on voice memos and start talking out jokes. Yeah. So people would think I was on the phone to someone, but really nice. I was just like writing. <laughs> I mean, for gigs, like there's definitely gigs where it feels like work rather than fun. Yeah. But for the most part, I don't know, I just feel like the safest and happiest on on stage and even when it is work there's always something that you get out of it it's always what do you get out of it um like how does it make you feel like it makes me feel truly free which is so lame to say (laughs) but yeah it really does make me feel very free and very I went through this like horrific few years and the one thing that really made me feel a sense of agency and a sense of um, control and power and confidence, like it's helping me get my confidence back, especially in public spaces, was doing comedy. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, because you're literally in a room full of breathing people and you feel that. It just, I get really hippy dippy about it. But <laughs> I just think that you feel that connection and that makes you feel safe. Yeah. And like so much of a good performer and a good comedian is walking on stage and immediately making people feel comfortable. Yeah. And then from there, if you really have already locked in on that connection, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Not whatever you want, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. no, fair enough. Mm. Did, but were you one of those people who always wanted to be liked? Yes. And oh, desperately. <laughs> <laughs> Am I doing okay? <laughs> I'm loving you. Yeah. I'm loving you. <laughs> doing live gigs all the time, you can't be liked all the time and mm. you get the immediate feedback that, yeah. you, you know, it's not like people being polite. No mm. way. They're both, that's, it's people very who, honest. Yeah. He like Brutally. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like so how do, you, how do you deal with that when you are the person who, who wants to be liked? Yeah. I've definitely struggled with it yeah. for like most of the time I've been doing comedy and – there have definitely been years where I've been like, oh, man, like, oh, I I really needed that to go well or, you know, yeah. or you get reviews and you're like, oh, God, or, you know, in, especially again with, like, internet, like, instant yeah. feedback. Yeah, um, And, you know, people are more likely to let you know if you sucked um, yeah. <laughs> on the internet now. Like, I remember I, I did um, a stand-up special and it was just in a 
it's not special, but um, a show. And it was a situation I didn't really want to be in and I just really didn't want to do it. But I was like, I'm, I, I, can't, I can't back out now. And it aired on TV and someone changed my Wikipedia page to say that I died that night. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> which is like the most brutal heckle I ever had. But also I pay the craft of it. Sometimes you're just like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I that's really, what happened. Yeah. That was a good summary. Yeah. Like there's definitely like reviewers out there who can instantly spot all the things you don't like about your own act. Yeah, and that's yeah. the ones, those are the ones that hurt. But um, I had a heckler a couple of weeks ago actually and I was, not to brag, but I was having a hot week. Like <laughs> that week I was doing really well and I felt really good about like the sets I was doing. Yeah. And then randomly I was doing this joke um, that I'd been working all week and I started doing it and I'm like, oh, you know, I turned 30 at the end of last year. It was fine except all my friends kept telling me I had to make something out of my year, my last year being 20. And then this guy just from the back of the comedy room was like, well, why don't they tell you to dress better? And I was like, what? And then he's like, you look like a fat C-bomb. On stage, I was like, first of all, I look amazing. (laughs) Second of all, I bet you you're someone wearing, you're some guy wearing like a white T-shirt and board shorts. Like, let's turn on the lights. I bet you. And that's exactly what he was wearing. (laughs) And I felt like really good about how I handled it and the audience was with me and he left. I was going to say, what about the rest of the audience? They must have been on. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, but afterwards, like when I got off stage, I was really shaken. Really? Because someone had just called me a fat C-bomb, you know, just for existing. And I went to therapy the next day. I was like, you know, I I shouldn't let it affect me because I'm a comedian and, you know, you're not meant to have feelings. And and she was just like, no, like that's objectively horrible. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And to just have someone yell that at you. And it's kind of weirdly violent. Totally. You're real, really. It's really aggressive and, you know, it was one of those things where I didn't heckle any of the male comedians on that night, just the first female one. I've gotten better at handling those kind types of things but it's still very like sometimes they really shake me. Yeah, no, that's absolutely full on. You were just saying that you'd had like a really bad few years and mm. I want to kind of go back to that. So while you've been on the journey of perfecting your stand-up career, you've had this amazing career also at mm. Triple J as a presenter hosting numerous programs over many, many, many years, correct? Mm-hmm. So back in t- 2018, you were still hosting lunch programs yep. and you became the target of a, a crazy stalker. How did this come about? Like how did he make himself known to you? About... Uh, what is it? Oh, almost two years ago. I did just like a set, random set at my friend's room that he was running one night and did fine, whatever. And then uh, the manager of the venue was like, oh, hey, there's um, there's a guy outside and he really wants to talk to you. But he's just kind of giving me like a bit of a bad vibe. Mm, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. And I don't know, <laughs> I guess because of me. My fans are so weird. I was like, look, it's probably fine. I'll go out there with my friend. It's in the courtyard of the venue. There's people around. I'm sure it won't be too bad. Yep. And so I went out and uh, and this guy was there and instantly it was just a bad vibe. Yeah. And I, I felt really shaken about it. And it's that gut feeling. Um, the 
It but was, was he saying, I really liked your gig? Or yeah. Was it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was like, oh, so being that complimentary. Was, yeah. He was like, that was amazing and you were amazing and I, I travelled all this way just to see you and, and he was like sweating and stuff and I was like, oh, thank you, that's really nice. Um, and he's like, can I just have five minutes alone with you? Yeesh. And I was like, I oh, no. And he's like, please, I just want five minutes alone. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm just going to go to the bathroom and then just ran out the back right. door with my yeah. friend. Yeah. Um, and so that was like the first kind of contact. And, you know, I let Triple J and I was like, hey, look, this guy came to my show last night and uh, he gave me a pretty bad vibe. Like this yeah. is his name and this is what he looks like. And. Yeah, and then a few months, I was really shaken by it and I went um, home that night and, like, had a friend stay over with me because I was just, like, I just feel really not okay about it. Mm. And then a few months passed and that kind of thing. And then one day I was just in my studio by myself. So you didn't hear from him again? No. Well, he didn't make himself known to me again. I later found out that he'd spent those seven months in between first talking to me and um, attacking me. trying to get into the building, to into the Triple J. So he got inside the ABC seven or eight times before he made it up to Triple J. Oh, my God. Yeah, no one thought to tell me anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretending to be my boyfriend, saying that he wanted to drop me lunch because I'd left it at home, pretending that he uh, was working there and he just forgot his swipe card at his desk and would you mind swiping him? And, and the thing is uh, he was on tours. He started taking – because the ABC is like so – Lovely. They're like, oh, we want to take the public around and yeah, show you how yeah. the studio. So he literally cased the joint by like being oh, on ABC wow. tours. He, uh, yeah. And then one day uh, I was just in the studio by myself because that's how you do lunch. You just self produce it and whatever. And this guy was outside and he broke into the studio. He just came in and I. Did come, you recognize him? Yeah, instantly. Yeah. And he grabbed me and uh, kissed me. Were you actually on air? Uh, yeah, a song was playing at the time. Right. Uh, and he was, like, sweating and pacing around and he had something in the back of his pants, like, and I I was like, oh, hey, um, you just hang out here. I'm just going to go check what song I have to play next. And I just ran and told security. But, uh, yeah, it was terrifying, <laughs> the whole thing. But what was worse is what kind of happened afterwards so you went and told security. Yeah, he got out. So he, met, he ran away. He knew where the fire escape oh was my God. and got out without being detected. The police were called. I had to give statements. And they didn't actually find him until the week after or something. And was, so what, what happened to you at work? So were you like you were just you, you were just off air kind of thing? I tried to do the show the next day. I think I was still in shock and I yeah. still wanted – and I had that thing of like, well, like, stuff yeah, that guy. Him. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to let him stop me from doing my yeah. thing. And then the shock hit and I was like, oh, no, I need to stop and process what happened. I was yeah. like, I just need some time. And initially it was only meant to be two weeks off. But then it just kind of got longer and it was kind of like – it's hard because I really love Triple J and – Obviously, I feel like so much of my career I owe to them. But the response I got from the ABC was essentially, this is now our fault. You take as much time off as you want, but we don't have to do anything. And it, it was at first I was like, oh, yeah, no worries. Like, I don't want to inconvenience anyone. Like, it's just this crazy, weird thing that happened and it, you know, it's out of the ordinary. And then uh, I started speaking to other women who had similar things happen to them, um, like similar things at different radio stations, similar things 
within the ABC and I realised that, like, I was entitled to ask for things. Like, I, I it was okay for me to say, yeah. like, hey, I want to come back but I need to have a producer in the studio with me or I need to see some accountability taken or even just to be like, how did this happen? Like, yeah. I asked for an accountability report and I was like, how did this happen? How did he get into the building? And I just didn't hear anything for a month. Mm. Then I got an email being like, sorry, we're a bit busy at the moment, but we'll get back to you soon. And I was just like, of all the places to yeah. not respond to this, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, this place like tells you like, oh, you know, we're all family and we're the ABC, we're cool. Like we don't, we're not like corporate radio stations, yeah. you know. And then I kind of just dawned on me. I was like, okay, so it is, it is essentially like any other workplace. It's just that, like, the funky dads are still, like, straight, white, old males, <laughs> you know? Like, just because they're wearing cool glasses and jumpers doesn't make them any less, you know, oblivious to women and the issues that they face. I found out later that when I initially told them about um, this guy coming up to me at the gig and I asked them to tell security that it was never passed on. There's just this whole kind of layer at the top there which is just kind of oblivious to the real world. What, what do you think should have happened well, I think security should have been told, mm. first of all. I think, second of all, like, the things I asked for were, you know, a producer, which, again, in a radio station, not that hard. I asked for, you know, some training around um, or, like, a response or a policy about uh, sexual violence or violence directed towards female presenters yeah. because I wasn't the only woman that year that was attacked on air, you know, what, across the what, ABC. What else had happened? Um, I remember Lee Sales tweeting about just some of, like, the violent language that was pointed towards her in mm. the course of her job. There was a presenter in Adelaide who had also received, like, some pretty violent language directed at her. Other presenters at Triple J had been stalked or were receiving, like, pretty disturbing messages yeah. from listeners. You know, and in the course of a day, like we have this Triple J text line thing where anyone can talk to you, anyone can text in. I remember when I first started on lunch, someone literally sent a dick pic in to Gosh. the text line and I sent it to my boss and I was like, hey, this just happened. They're like, oh, gross. And that was the response. Yeah. Um, and it's just this thing, I think we're at this really weird time in history now where it's like, obviously women are becoming more prominent in media positions and just in powerful positions. But when there's yeah. still this layer at the top, it doesn't really matter how many female faces you put at the front of a company. Like it's still going to be yeah. run the way it's run, which is a boys club, yeah. which sucks. I, I And I say this with so much love because I really do think the ABC is really important. I think the Triple J is like still really important, mm. really vital. But it's like a family, you know, you can't, you can't believe your family hasn't protected you yeah. or something. I, it's this thing I wanted my whole life, you know, like I grew up listening to Triple J. I wanted to be on Triple J. I loved all the comedians on Triple J. I, you yeah. know, everything about it I consumed you know yeah and to then just get to this point where I'm like oh I need to disconnect myself emotionally because nothing is going to change here it was so yuck yeah but it was such a wake-up call of like okay well I need to stop relying on existing structures and start creating the structures that are going to keep me safe so why wouldn't you as a comedian mm. Turn all of this tragedy into com into comedy <laughs> gold, baby. <laughs> what so many? many laughs. So many. I think it it's just like the right. I know. <laughs> I think it's just like, I don't know. The first thing I notice, the way that people process these things when they happen to other people is they go like, oh, you've got to use your platform to talk about this. Mm. Like you've got to write a show about it or whatever. And you're just like, man, I can't even get out of bed today. Like yeah. come on. Yeah. And that was the thing. I guess the show I'm doing very 
I had to write it down. Very important. Extremely brave because I keep forgetting the name of it. Uh, it's kind of a show about doing a show about trauma and how, like, we have this expectation as a society to make trauma uh, productive, I guess. Oh, yeah. Interesting. That we have to turn it into something when it's, like, one of the most universal human experiences, like sadness, trauma, whatever. Um, but we don't talk about it anymore or we don't allow for it to be anything other than a net positive. Um, and so you get these labels like very important. Like it's so important that you talk about this. It's so brave of you to talk yeah, about it. Yeah, brave. Like, yeah. They attach brave to everything. Yeah, yeah. such tragedy porn. Yeah. And it's just like <laughs> it shouldn't be. Like I really would like it to just be like. It is what it is. Yeah. That would be okay if someone goes through something bad to just lie in bed for three weeks because that's what happens to a person like these things take physical emotional tolls cognitive tolls like you know my brain is completely rewired now because of it again not a barrel of laughs i've got to say it's, sound, it's sounding hilarious yeah your so new show. funny so funny <laughs> i don't know i think i'm just one of those people who I've been through so many bad things that I just find it funny now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a, like that's a gift. Yeah. It is a gift because otherwise, you know. It's a gift or it's psychotic. Uh, yeah, to step outside true. of yourself and too just true. laugh at it. Too yeah. true, lady haha. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it could either go, you know, it could definitely go either way. Yeah. I know that you have like um, in the past, um, I do love how you've, um, you're all about like calling out the shite behaviour. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when um, Eurydice Dixon was um, the beautiful stand-up comedian was killed on a way home um, mm-hmm. from a gig in Melbourne and I know that you came out then and said you know about how women actually feel unsafe and we need to call out when men are making you feel unsafe yeah kind of thing, you know but I find it interesting right that mm. like you know you were having that conversation a while ago mm. before your year year of hell <laughs> before your yeah. year of hell of comedy gold we're calling it <laughs> Your comedy the gone. laugh riot that was 2018 <laughs> to 2020. Oh, yeah, I'm still laughing. How we laughed and laughed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, but I reckon that you are a person who like stands up for like the whole thing that's happened with the ABC. Where mm. and you can tell like people around you are saying eh, maybe you need to let up a bit. Like I mm. feel like you're naturally someone who, when they see an injustice, feels like. Well, if not me, who? I don't know, being like a Māori woman, like our ancestors, our ancestry, I should say, is like strong mm. warrior women, you know. Mm. I do see, see myself as a sense of like, well, I have to be strong. Like my ancestors went through all that yeah. so I can be in these positions. But also, you know, I really try to approach things with compassion and I, I tried within the ABC to make things mm. better. I tried to get all of the female presenters together in one room to talk about this stuff with management and it was consistently shut down. I tried so many times. I talked to other women within the industry mm. to try and see if we could set an example or set a standard that could be expected. And honestly, like I, there is a standard across the industry. It just doesn't apply to Triple J for some reason. And so it really hurt me. It really yeah. hurt that I put so much effort into trying to like – bring them in and like just sit down with them and be like this is taking a huge toll and then to see it happen to other people and and that kind of thing Uh, yeah you just get to a point where you're like oh I have to go out to the street and scream about it (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. because I'll feel crazy like I don't know I think people are so uncomfortable with female anger and rage even though it's and that's why it's so powerful sometimes so how are you turning these things into comedy (laughs) yeah (laughs) where are the jokes (laughs) I think it's just when you just slightly 
uh, uncover the top layer of soil. You yeah. find that in everything. Yeah. And the fact that everyone is hurt and everyone is wounded and everyone is carrying out these things. can resonate. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, it's not that hard to find the jokes in it. Do you feel that that hurt is still really close to the surface for you? It was when I first started writing the show. Yeah. And, like, when I first did a run of the show, it was literally the anniversary of the week that I got attacked. Oh, great. Yeah. Good timing. Yeah. <laughs> but I was so glad that I did it. Yeah. Because... I felt heard and I felt seen and I could bring my friends in and, and again, I was in this safe spot, that the place I felt the most listened to and the safest and the most in control and the most agency. In comedy. Yeah. Yeah. And what was their response? They loved it. Yeah. Because they could see they could see those real um, people who have been through similar things. I think they felt seen. I think there's a way that we can talk about these things uh, with joy and compassion, you know, like yeah. when you go through something so bad it's almost like the contrast of your life gets turned up and then joy becomes so visible. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? You yeah, know, it does. Also, I'm just a mess and there's lots of funny things about being <laughs> depressed, you know? There's a whole... Depression. There's a good <laughs> history right. of comedy about slobby, sad people and <laughs> I simply wish to contribute to the canon, you know? I know I'm it glad. doesn't sound funny. <laughs> This is the reaction I keep getting when I talk about the show. But well, let's see. How do you um? You've described it as your year of being dumped, kicked out of home, and almost being murdered. Yeah, (laughs) a laugh right. I know. Already, it's great. Yeah, already, it's great. And so, what are you feeling um excited about? Um, in generally, or just um, what am I excited about? Again, like after such a horrific year, I feel joy so vividly now and so in my body yeah <laughs> like but isn't that i find that like amazing that is amazing that you can actually find the joy yeah finding softness and finding joy and that kind of thing and owning my emotions rather than just trying to push them down all the time because yeah. i think i just spend a lot of time a lot of my life being like i'm fine with this oh everything hurts and is bad yeah. but i'm fine with it i'll just i'll just keep pushing it down because that is the, the classic response is mm. no 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 I'll be fine and I'll soldier on and yeah and you know and a bit of that fuck that guy and and at, at, but at the same time just no you know mm. I'm I, I won't let them get me down kind yeah. of thing so were you surprised that it all just kind of it all went to shit yeah 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 totally because it wasn't just that it was then getting dumped by this guy that I thought I was going to marry and then getting kicked out of my home when I, I needed to feel safe in my home. Yeah. And then in this job that I wanted for so long to yeah. just get nothing, it was like gut punch, gut punch, gut punch. And then it really, I just I felt like completely scraped clean of all of the th- ways I defined myself. Yeah. Um, and so then I just had to be okay with who I was without any of those things. And do you think that you're enough? Yeah, but it took a lot of therapy. <laughs> it took yeah. a lot of light therapy. <laughs> so just, you know, um, and I had to really connect to that feeling of joy. I think I had this conversation with this woman yesterday and she's like, I try and think about the happiest moments of my life and I can't remember them. And I was like, I didn't want to be like, oh, my God, because <laughs> it was just like a light chat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, oh, my God, that's horrible. <laughs> like I just wanted to be like, let's go run outside and do something. Yeah, like, take you don't off have all our clothes and just yeah. like laugh hysterically. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Just be absolute. I think comedy helps with that where you're just like, oh, I can't be humiliated anymore. And so what's next for you after the, sh- after the show? Um, We're starting the production company. Yes, <laughs> totally. So you've got to get on to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
don't know. I think I just want to travel and be nice to myself. I really feel like I've only started being nice to myself in the last year, so yeah. I just want to try and do n- nice things. What's happening with relationship-wise and things like that and, the um, you know, is there anything happening there? Oh, I'm, like, in a newish kind of thing, which is cool. Um, he's a great guy. He's got a wonderful dog. <laughs> Um, Win-win. Yeah, it's truly (laughs) lovely. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was dating women for a while, which was, like, really lovely as well. I don't know. Look at you. I know. Miss Fluid. I just got tired of men, (laughs) frankly. Uh, I don't know. I think on some level is was always, you know, that kind of attraction. Yeah. I think also we're just in a time where it's easier to... Yeah. Express that attraction. Thank God. Mm. Thank God. Mm. Yeah. I can't wait to see the new show. Are you exhausted by this chat? (laughs) I'm not actually. I'm good. I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually intrigued by the laughs. And I know and I completely agree with you. This is where, you know, all of the the crap of life is where all the laughs are. Like, Mm. I mean, that's what I always believe. Your year of hell, (laughs) which will be comedy gold. Yes, it's comedy gold. (laughs) I don't know. You just, like, it's always like shows with happy endings aren't funny. Yeah, I know. Not that's exactly re- right. Yeah. I know that one. You want to, we want to resonate. Mm. I'm going to do just a quick pop quiz with you. Sure. Okay? Yep. So what poster did you have on your bedroom wall as a teenager? Um, the band Five, spelt with a five. <laughs> an I-V-E. Number nice. five, I-V-E. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What song always gets you on the dance floor? Ooh, Fade by Kanye West. Oh. Because uh, um, at the lands down in Sydney, they well, they <laughs> took it away, but they used to have a pole. <laughs> and I just have really fond memories of that song coming on at 3 a.m. and me getting on the pole. And you getting on the pole. <laughs> getting your J-Lo yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you currently binge watching on telly? I'm currently watching, currently binging my way through Bless This Mess. Which sounds like a horrible show, but it's just a love. I just love wholesome comedies. It's yeah, why yeah, um, yeah. it was created by Lake Bell, who's this amazing comedy oh, actor, yeah. and Elizabeth Merriweather, who created New Girl. And it's just lovely. It's just about this hipster couple that moved to Nebraska thinking that they're going to become farmers and then being confronted with the fact that they don't know anything about it. <laughs> I love it. Huge. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song? Say It Ain't So by Weezer because I'm a big <laughs> emo kid. And <laughs> and uh, it's always, yeah, it's always towards the end of karaoke when everyone's a bit drunk and <laughs> just really need to let the hurt out, you know, <laughs> let the feels out. Excellent. Mm. Um, What's your favourite movie ever? Um. I really love singing in the rain because oh, an I love, yeah. Well, I love all the golden age again because I went to art school. <laughs> That's art right. history. Um, my favorite like era of um, cinema is golden age because you, it's like when the movies were still on these big sets with like yep. a bajillion dancers and everyone yep. with their hair and makeup so done and the costumes were huge. But what I like about it is like every single aspect of those films was touched by a human hand, you know, like the painting of the sets was done by people and mm. the film was like physically stuck together no by CGI. people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Jen Fricker, it's been so good to talk to you so today. So good to talk to you. I hope I haven't come off completely crazy. No, and we love crazy around here anyway. Great. So, Great. so you are so with friends. <laughs> Mate, good luck with the tour. Thank you. I know we're all, you know, I assume that you've got all the details on your Facebook yep. page. Jenfricker.com slash tour. Beauty. We're going Brisbane, Gold Coast, Canberra, Sydney, Melbourne, New Zealand. 
Perth, probably leaving out other places, but it's all on the website. Excellent. It's comedy gold. Comedy We've been gold. assured. <laughs> Thanks, heaps, Jen. Thank you. Jen is one of those amazing people who can't help but be a voice for the sisterhood and who turns a life-changing negative event into something we can all actually laugh at. It's all lemons and lemonade, isn't it, people? What a gift. Thanks for listening today. Please rate and review as we love your feedback and don't forget to subscribe to Finding Fearless with Marie Claire so you don't miss an episode. See you next time.